Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Amen. Do you believe that our prayers are powerful? A couple of you do. Yes, we need to teach on prayer. <laughs> it's okay to respond. Hallelujah. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is not just, as people say, talking to God. It's not just communicating to God. It's literally how we get his will done in the earth. Jesus told his disciples, you know, it's interesting to me, of all the things that they saw, these disciples saw Jesus do, uh, you know, heal sickness and disease, walk on water, uh, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, raise the dead, uh, cast out demons. The one thing that they came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us. Lord, show us how you do that thing. They, say, they didn't say, Lord, teach us how to walk on water. That really would help my traveling out a bit. They didn't say, Lord, help us. Teach us how to heal. Teach us how to cast out demons. No, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Why? Because they recognized that prayer was the source of the power. You have to recognize that your power is limited by and to your prayer life. A prayer life is how we get the will of God. Jesus didn't, you see, Jesus spent very little time with people's problems but he spent a lot of time with the Father. We do just the opposite. We spend a little bit of time with the Father and we spend a lot of time with our problems. And Jesus said, no, no, no. When I get down off this mountain, I'm gonna know exactly what I need to do. But let me get with the Father. Let me get away. Let me spend all night in prayer. Let me break away from the crowds a little bit. Let me get in communion with my Father. And as I commune with the Father, when I get down, the power will be there. I'll know exactly what to do. And so he spent time with the Father in prayer. He spent time with the Father, yes, in communication with God, but not just to boil, spill out all his problems from the day, uh, not just to make petitions, uh, uh, you know, God, I need this, God, I need that, God, I need your help with this. He was saying, God, what, what, what do you want to do here? What's your will? What's your plan? Because if it's your will, I want it to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Matthew chapter 6, when he communicated that, he, when he taught his disciples how to pray, he said, this is how you pray. Father, who art in heaven. First, you got to acknowledge where God is. God's not in the midst of your problem. God is in heaven above your problem, seated far above principalities and powers and might and dominion. Sure, yes, he's walking through this life with us, but he's not facing challenges like you and I face challenges. Okay, what's going to happen here? I don't know. How do we get in this mess? He's up in heaven far above that stuff. He's not surprised with Isaac's situation. He's not surprised when we get in predicaments. He's not on his throne saying, oh, God never gasps. God never says, oh, no. God never says, what are we going to do? Those are not words that come out of God's mouth. God's mouth. So he's far above. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name because the name is what gives me access to execute his will on earth. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom Come, your will be done on earth here as it is there in heaven where you are. What you do up there, we want done down here. And prayer is how we execute that. Prayer is where we discover the will of the Father, the heart of the Father. And then from there, we can carry out his plan, knowing that the power backs up our prayer. We've said for years, this was something that Pastor Earl instilled in us very early on. We are not a church that prays. We are a church that gets answers to prayer. There's a difference. And you know, other religions, they, they, I mean, prayer is not a Christian thing, right? Prayer is known almost through every religion. They have some form of prayer or communication with the God form. You remember uh, 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 Elijah, when he went before the altar, you know, uh, uh, said, get out your, your prophets of Baal out here. And they're going to worship an altar. And then I'm going to worship my God. 
And whoever's God is real will come down and consume this altar. Well, I mean, the prophets of Baal, they spent almost the entire day praying to their God, dancing. They eventually started cutting themselves open. Aren't you thankful we don't have to do that mess to get God's attention? Dancing and, and, and just spending all day sweating, getting all wore out, and Elijah's over in the corner. Maybe he's busy. Or maybe your God went and used the bathroom. You know, maybe, he, maybe he's got something else. Maybe, you, you know, you, you just don't have his attention. But then God, in an instant, comes down and consumes that altar and shows who the real God is. Amen. You know, it doesn't take much to get God's attention. It's quality over quantity. Amen. And so we need to operate in prayer, have prayer operable in our lives, functioning in our lives, and knowing the heart of that. And we'll, we'll teach on that, on that at some point. We've been in this Kingdom Realities series now for the last, I don't know, I think we're entering our fourth week now of Kingdom Realities. What a powerful uh, understanding of what God wants us to know about his original plan, his original intent, his original purpose. And like I've said the last several weeks, there's no way I can give recaps and go back and, and, and you know, give, uh, get you caught up, so to speak. If they are all online, you want to listen, you want to find them, you want to download them, listen multiple times. This is not stuff, uh, you know, midweek, Wednesday nights, guys, this is not stuff you can suck through a straw. You got to get the knife and the fork out. You're going to have to chew this thing up, okay? Break it down in little bites. And so I'm not trying to overwhelm you. I know we've hit a lot of word, but I just don't know any other way to teach than to just give you the word. I, you know, I don't supplement uh, the word with anything else, substitute the word with anything else. The word is the final say. And um, so we've gone back through the word. Genesis chapter one, you gotta start at the beginning, amen? That's where purpose is discovered. You don't find purpose halfway through. You don't find purpose at the end. You find purpose at the beginning, the beginning. Now, the way God operates is he determines the end from the beginning. He knew how it would turn out before he ever wrote in the beginning. Forever he, before he ever put one line down, one dot down, he knew how this thing would end up. And so God has a purpose. God has an intent. And we've said this, where I don't understand purpose, abuse is inevitable. Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Means uh, uh, meaning that I compromise the purpose if I don't operate or use something according to what it was designed to do. And we do this all the time in our lives. We, we, we have things in our lives that we've accumulated and, and we put expectations and we, 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 we want to use things outside of their original intent and then we wonder why it doesn't work. We wonder why it ends up broken, or we wonder why. Honestly, guys, the, the, the biggest reason why most Christians don't pray is because they don't think it works. They don't see the results from their prayer. So why continue wasting my time doing something that doesn't yield the results? Well, the question is, are we operating in it? Are we using it according to God's design? It wasn't a complain session. It wasn't a, a vent session. It was to get God's will accomplished in the earth. Amen. So we've got to understand God's original purpose. And to do that, we've got to go to the beginning. And uh, we said this in uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, uh, and then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on this earth. Nowhere in that verse do I find religion. Nowhere in that verse do I find a chase in pursuit of heaven. Nowhere in that verse do I find Christianity. Nowhere in that verse do I find, uh, uh, you know, just do good things until Jesus comes back. Uh, but what I see in that verse is authority. What I see in that verse is God trying to accomplish something on the earth that looks a lot like heaven. What that verse shows me is that God was, God's desire was to extend the unseen realm of heaven to the seen realm of the earth. What I see in that verse is God as a king, as a ruler, extending his invisible self, God, to the visible realm of the earth through the visible suit of man. That's what he's trying to accomplish here. 
God intended the earth in its original form, in its original purpose, in its original design to represent and reflect heaven. And then he created you and I, and we really touched on it last week in our our, uh, session called uh, Sons and Citizens, talking about the creation of man and what you and I were designed and created to do. We were designed to carry out uh, the extension of the rule of heaven on the earth. God wanted to establish his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, to the earth. What God designed to do from the beginning was establish a government system on this planet right here. And I know we don't want to hear that government's the answer for the world, but that was God's answer. It was God's design, and it was in a flawless form called the kingdom of God, where God rules its king, what he says goes. It's a final say. There's no voting. There's no questioning. And, I, and, and, and we recognize that uh, as God uh, rules from heaven, he never de- desired to rule from heaven on the earth. In fact, he designed it in such a way that he had to use you and I. We have to recognize the moment he says, let them have dominion, he immediately removed himself from being able to operate in this realm, in this earth, in this planet without going through you and I. Not asking your permission, no. Not having to go through you in the sense of, let me see what man thinks, but without, he cannot operate in this realm without using you and I. So when he wanted a, uh, uh, an ark built, he had to find a man named Noah. When he wanted to establish a nation of people, he had to find a man named Abraham. When he wanted to rule uh, over his people Israel, he had to find a king named David. Anything God wants to accomplish in the earth, and it's still so today, he has to use you and I. He wants to use you and I. We're not just down here as, as pawns, you know, as a... Uh, uh, means to an end. God wants to use you and I. He wants us to be participators in his will and in his plan. Amen. And so we recognize here, beginning in that very first verse, let them have dominion. Dominion means to govern, means to rule. It means to manage. It means to have authority. So we, we've been journeying through this. We saw that man sinned in the garden Uh, There in Genesis chapter 3, we didn't get but two and a half chapters in before man blows this whole thing up. And God didn't abort the plan. God desired to restore the plan. Amen. God didn't break away and say, well, that whole uh, ruling on heaven, kingdom kingdom of heaven to the earth uh, plan didn't really work out. So, um, you know, let's let's just get them all back to heaven. Forget that whole earth thing. Just blow it up, burn it up. Let's all go to heaven. That wasn't God's, you don't see that anywhere in the word of God. No, in fact, in just a few verses after Adam and Eve sinned, he puts a plan in place that someone would, someone would come, a seed, capital S seed, would come and get the kingdom back into the earth once again. And that seed That son was Jesus. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. And so the purpose of Jesus has been uh, uh, strongly misunderstood. The Bible is the most misunderstood book on earth, and Jesus is the most misunderstood person on earth. Jesus did not come to die on a cross for your sins so you could get to heaven. I'm not saying that didn't happen but that wasn't the goal. We've got the byproduct confused with the goal. Yes, as a result of him dying on the cross, my sins are forgiven. My sins are uh, not just covered, but removed as far as the east is from the west. Uh, He didn't just give me a Band-Aid, but he actually cured the sickness itself. Amen. And as a result, when I'm separated from this fleshly suit, when I'm separated from this planet Earth, guess what? I'm gonna be with the Lord in heaven. I'm gonna be with Jesus in heaven. But that wasn't the goal. 
The goal was to establish the kingdom back on earth as it was in Genesis chapter one and to get man back in right standing with God the Father. That's why Jesus came. So in essence, that's just, you know, obviously a very small summation of what we've covered in the last several weeks. Again, go online, grab those messages, and you can really dive in as we break it down. Again, line upon line, using the word of God uh, as our foundation. And so last week, we took a look at the subject of sons and citizens, finding our intrinsic value, amen, finding out that we have been raised with Christ, seated with Christ. Uh, We have been uh, uh, raised to a heavenly position, seated at the right hand of the Father, uh, that our authority over the earth, as Genesis 1.26 said, let them have dominion, let them control, let them manage, let them rule. We've had that restored back to us. And so we look, we uh, jumped into that last week. And so this week we're going to dive into authority and submission, authority and submission. Uh, We just read Genesis 1, verse 26, but we can throw it back up on the screen just to refer back again. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Again, remember God gave man identity before he gave him assignment. So if you don't know last week, this week, it's not going to help you much. If you don't know who you are, in fact... The reason why we struggle with what I'm going to talk about this week is because we don't have full comprehension of what we talked about last week. Where I'm going this week, people lock up probably more than any other subject when we start talking about authority. I mean, what we just prayed over Isaac, that's not just a prayer or wishful thinking, let's hope God does something. We spoke authority and power into the life of Isaac from here all the way to China, halfway around the world. By authority, we spoke it. I'm not asking God to do something. I'm telling sickness where to go. I'm telling disease where to go. I'm telling deafness where to go in the name of Jesus. And it's only because of the authority that we were designed to operate in. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Likeness, again, reiterating not talking about skin color and facial features. We're talking about function, how we were designed to operate. And this is why. Let them have dominion. Again, defining that word dominion is, uh, it means to manage. It means to govern. It means to rule. It means to control. So in essence, he's saying, let them govern, rule, control, and manage. Manage what? The fish of the sea. Rule what? The birds of the air. Control what? The cattle on the earth and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The word dominion means to govern, rule, manage, and control. The first point I have for you is this. God created man to be his kingdom agent on earth to rule and subdue the rest of creation. God created man to be his kingdom agent on earth, to rule and subdue the rest of creation. God did not intend to execute his authority from heaven. He desired to do it through you and I. Well, to do that, number one, we have to be made in his image and in his likeness. We have to be able to function like him. I'm not saying you are God, but I'm saying you were designed to operate, live, function, respond, talk like God. Guys, the bottom line is is the word of God in your mouth is just as powerful as the word of God in his mouth. That's why we can speak over Isaac's body. What do you think God's will and God's plan is for Isaac to live the rest of his life uh, uh, with, with something that man messed up with? No. If we don't understand what God's will and God's plan is, how am I gonna be able to execute it? Nowhere in the Bible can I find that it's God's will and God's desire for someone to live with an ailment, to live with a sickness and a disease. 
to have to submit to that? If so, if so, if it, was, if it was God's plan for some people to have sicknesses and diseases and God was executing that and putting that on their life, then Jesus was in direct disobedience to his father because he healed everybody he came into contact with. He was undoing everything God was apparently doing. But no, that's ridiculous. Jesus went around all the towns and villages healing all sicknesses and all disease. He left no sickness behind. He left no healing untouched. Amen. Okay. So when we're executing the authority of God, we have to understand the will of God. I can't, under, I can't execute the authority of God if I don't understand the will of God. Okay. But man was designed to function like God, to be able to rule in this earth like God rules in heaven, I've got to be made in his image. I've got to be made in his likeness. I've got to know who I am in Christ. I've got to know my authority. I've got to know my, my identity as a son and a citizen. And we covered that last week. I'm a royal priesthood, holy nation, chosen generation, set apart, consecrated, called me to be holy, called me to be righteous. He calls me a son. He calls me an heir with Jesus Christ. He calls me adopted into the family. This is all the things we covered last week. I gave you a whole rundown, a whole repertoire, a whole, a whole, I filled your quiver up with arrows that you can shoot at the enemy when he tries to question who you are. And it's on the internet for you to access anytime you need it. Amen. But even better than getting it on the internet, you can get it in your heart. But look at this, in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 28, skipping on down, this is what he says. This is the command that he gives to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That's a command. You think that's an option? You think it's a suggestion? And my advice would be, be fruitful and multiply. I mean, you, you, you do whatever you want down there, but my idea is, no, it's not a suggestion, it's a command. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. And this actually goes on in Genesis chapter two. And guys, I'm gonna go pretty quick, so um, they're on the screen for you. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. Genesis chapter two, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man, and put him in the garden. Notice he didn't ask him. <laughs> garden? I really like the mountains. I'm more of a mountain guy myself. And Eve's like, well, I'm more of a beach. I want to go out and lay out by the beach. Garden? No, it says he put them in the garden uh, to, and here it is, tend and keep it. The word uh, tend means to cultivate it. Cultivate the garden. The word keep means to guard the garden. Actually, a layer of protection was uh, the responsibility of protecting this environment was actually given to Adam and Eve. That means nothing should come in and go out without your permission. You're, you're there to protect it. This is the responsibility given to man. This isn't Adam and Eve calling to God saying, we got a problem down here, can you help us out? God's given this responsibility and this assignment to man to tend it. Hey, uh, this tree's not producing. What, what, you know, God, can you, can you help me out? Well, that's your responsibility. I've given you every resource, everything you need, and as long as you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, that means being right in alignment with me, then all the things that you need will be added to you, will come running you down. It was the system. Okay, so they're given the responsibility of tending and keeping it. Um, I want to jump on down to verse 19. Verse 19, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. But watch this. And he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. 
Adam is naming these animals. Why? Because he's the ruler. He's operating in dominion. He's the one to control. He's the one to manage. God isn't saying, I think this is a zebra. I think this is an elephant. I think this is a lion. He brought every animal to Adam. I'm telling you guys, if, if God had created Adam and Eve on any other day previous in creation, Adam and Eve would have finished creation. That's how powerful this authority and this dominion is. At this point, Adam and Eve have been given the authority to manage, to rule, to control, to have dominion on this planet. So now God's bringing the animals to Adam and says, what do you think this one is? Okay, what do you think this one is? All right, next. Now you can just see them all standing up in a line. Next, next, (laughs) next. What's this one? He named them. And then we want to, I want to skip up to 16 and 17. I skipped it on purpose. 16 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So, so far we've seen like five or six different things that Adam and Eve were told to do. And now for the first time, we've seen one thing that they're told not to do. Not to do. Now, if they broke any of those commands, anything, whether it was a a command to do or a command not to do, any of that would be sin. The word sin simply means rebelling against the word of the king. That's literally what sin is in its essence. If If Adam would have said, no, I don't want to name the animals. Well, that's sin. It's disobedience. Well, no, I don't feel like keeping the garden. Sounds like too much work. It's supposed to be paradise. We're supposed to be able to lay around in the grass naked and eat fruit. What are you giving me all this stuff to do for? No, that would be sin. But this one in particular, the do not eat of this tree, this one's interesting because this tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a representation of something. And this is why the, the, the snake, the serpent, attacked it. The tree of knowledge of good and evil was a representation of self-rule. Self-rule. Or a better word that we're all familiar with because we celebrate, we have a whole day for it in our country. Independence. Independence. The most dangerous word in the kingdom of God is independence. The most dangerous word in the kingdom of God is independence. And that's what this tree represented. And the snake knew that. He didn't want them to just eat the tree, eat the fruit of that tree, uh, just because, you know, that's what God had said. No, he knew something would happen. You are, there's something more tempting about this tree than just its fruit. It's the fruit of its fruit. It's what it will Cause the, the temptation was to become independent of God ruling over me and me rule myself, me become independent, me be able to call the shots. That's what was tempting about this tree. That's what opened up to Eve. She saw that it was desirable to make one wise. You go over there and, and, and read it and and. Genesis chapter three. Ultimately, here's what we're discovering about these commands. There were commands given. This is why commands were given. This is why Adam and Eve weren't just created and then allowed to do whatever. This is why. Because the power of your authority, I think this is our next point, the power of your authority is directly tied to your level of submission. Our, our ability to rule, there it is on the screen. Our ability to rule is directly related to our ability to submit. Our ability to rule is directly related to our ability to submit. I actually just covered this point on Saturday with our men in our men's meeting that your level of authority will never exceed your level of submission. Your level of authority will never exceed your level of submission. So therefore, God had to give commands for man to submit to. 
And that is what supplied power to their authority. God had to give man commands to submit to. That's why he can't just let you run around. Because if you would understand that your submission is actually the key to your authority. Your submission is actually what empowers your ability to rule on the earth. And if I'm not submitting, I'm not ruling. I cannot have one without the other. I cannot operate in authority if I'm not fully submitted to what? To God. Now, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were placed on this earth as kings. They were placed on this earth as, as we discovered last week a little lower than God himself. Psalms chapter eight tells us. We saw that last week. A little lower than God himself. Adam and Eve have been given full dominion, full ability to operate on this earth, to rule, to manage it. I mean, down to naming the animals. But that authority immediately becomes compromised if they do not remain submitted to God's final authority. God is still king. God is still in charge. God is still on the throne. God has given them commands, not commands to restrict them, commands to empower them. Not commands to take all the fun out of it. You understand the blessing is in the boundary. I said the blessing is in the boundary. And the command is not there to restrict you and and. and contain you and make sure you don't get out of line. The, 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 the command actually provides power to the authority. And so we have these different commands, 10, keep, guard, protect, cultivate, rule, manage, oversee, name the animals. Well, Genesis chapter three, we know, verse one, The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. This is where it always begins, a questioning of authority. Questioning of authority. Challenging authority. Up until this point, we don't have any, uh, 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 we, we don't see anywhere where man is challenging or questioning God's authority. Why do you tell us to do that? Why? You know, I grew up in a generation where we asked what to do. And this generation that's growing up today, even beyond the millennial generation, even down into the, uh, I don't know what they call them, generation Y, X, Z, maybe it's all of them, generation X, Y, and Z, I don't know. It's one of those. They, they are known for wanting to know why. Not in a questioning, well, why do you do it that way? But like I was listening to a, a, one of the managers of Chick-fil-A talk about this. And he said, you know, they truly want to know why is it cooked in that kind of oil? Why do we do it that way? They, they're, they're purpose driven. They want to come back around. When, when I was growing up, it was you were told what to do. You don't ask questions. You, and the answer was usually because. Why am I taking out the trash? Because I... Why aren't we eating fruit off that tree? Because he said so. But see, now the enemy, he's coming in and he's trying to challenge. He's trying to attack. He's trying to question. We actually talked about that a couple weeks ago, how truth gets compromised. And it begins with the challenging or the questioning of authority. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the Fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. And here we go. Here's the temptation factor. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. 
So we see uh, the detriment. We see what happens when we uh, uh, rebel against God's authority. We lose our authority. And we've said this before, but again, to repeat it, I think it's our next point. Man, when man sinned, he, he, she did not fall from heaven. He fell from dominion. You gotta understand what happens here in Genesis chapter three. Because Adam and Eve weren't wandering around this garden saying, when Jesus coming back? When Jesus coming back? When are we all gonna go to heaven? What a glorious day that will be. When are we gonna walk on streets of gold? When are we gonna see God? They were communing and hanging out with God in the garden. It says in the cool of the day, he would hang out with them, talk with them. They weren't interested in getting to heaven. That wasn't even in their thought process. Wasn't the motivation for living. Well, if I don't do right, I won't go to heaven. There's no preachers in this garden saying, if, if you die tonight, do you know you'd go to heaven? That's not happening. Their purpose was to get heaven to earth. Their purpose was to rule on the earth as God rules in heaven. Their purpose was to extend God's Vis, uh, invisible kingdom to the visible realm of the earth. That was all that man was interested in. Adam and Eve weren't searching for heaven. They were searching for the kingdom and how do we get it here into this planet? So as a result of their sin, again, your level of authority is directly related to your level of submission. So when they disobey, when they rebel, guess what they lose? Authority. Their authority. Authority and submission have to be understood if we're going to operate in kingdom realities. If we're going to live kingdom life here on this earth, if we're going to have kingdom principles operating in our life, we have to understand authority and submission. And man was designed to rule, and it's still within us today to rule. It's still, uh, uh, John George was uh, ministering this past week and Reverend John and, and in our men's meeting, he said this, every man has a desire for a conquest, to conquer something. Every man is born with that passion. He said, you go back in the children's classrooms and you'll see them trying to conquer something. Conquer someone else's toys or conquer someone else's snack. You, you see, he said, you see them on the highway trying to get in front of people and cut each other off. You see people fighting to, you know, elbow, get, a, get ahead of somebody in a line on Black Friday. We're designed to conquer something. It's still within us today to rule, to have authority. It was a God-given desire. God put that within us. But our authority cannot exceed, our level of authority cannot exceed our level of submission. Guys, there are things that we were never designed to be submitted to. Never designed to be submitted to. And it's very well possible that things in life are not submitting to us because we're actually submitted to it. You cannot rule what you are ruled by. We're supposed to govern, control, manage, rule the earth. The earth. There are people that can't get their finances in order and they can execute all the kingdom authority they want on the earth uh, over their finances. But the problem is, is they're submitted to their finances. They're submitted to money. You know, money is made of paper. Paper comes from trees. Trees are the earth. And as far as I under, understand, that falls under the category of what we're supposed to be ruling over. There's all kinds of things that we are ruled by and submitted to that we were supposed to govern and rule over. I'm not gonna list things. We all have things that we are submitting to that God has told us to conquer. God has told us to dominate. God has told us to control. God has told us to manage it, to have dominion. And so immediately, 
man falls out from under submission, loses their authority immediately. And man did not fall from heaven. Man fell from dominion. Now I'm gonna jump ahead just for the sake of time. We've already covered the purpose of Jesus. Jesus came to this earth not as a religious figure. He didn't come to this earth as a pastor. He didn't come to this earth as, a, an, as an evangelist. He didn't come to this earth as a prophet. He didn't come to this earth as a teacher, although he did those things. In fact, Jesus operated in all five-fold gifts of the ministry. Jesus operated as a pastor, as a teacher, as an evangelist, as a prophet, and an apostle. All five gifts. He's the only person that's ever walked this planet that has operated in all five gifts at the same time. Jesus operated in all of them. But he didn't come to this earth as a religious figure. If we reduce Jesus to the leader of Christianity, and he's no greater than Buddha, Buddha or Muhammad or whatever other religious leaders or figures there are. No, Jesus came to this earth as a government official on assignment from the kingdom of heaven to restore and reestablish the kingdom on earth as it was in Genesis chapter one. That was Jesus's plan. We've already covered that. I believe that was in our second week. We covered the plan of Jesus to restore you and to restore the kingdom. And so Jesus operated in authority in his life. Would y'all agree to that? And I can show you just some references. I don't want you to turn there. I'm just gonna uh, uh, give you these references. Guys, we don't even have to throw them on the screen, okay? I'm just gonna give these references. In Matthew chapter four, verse 23. Matthew chapter four, verse 23, we see Jesus exercise authority over sickness and disease. Matthew chapter four, verse 23. He uh, exercises authority over sickness and disease. Mark chapter four, 35 through 41. Mark 4, 35 through 41. Jesus exercises authority over the weather. Y'all know there's some kind of storm out in the Atlantic, supposedly coming to decimate the Southeast region again. You ever listen to those people, just how pessimistic they are, just how gloom and doom. I mean, it's the worst case scenario every time. Oh, gosh. It's exhausting to listen to that mess, isn't it? We got crops and we, we just blessed the harvest on yesterday morning, Tuesday morning. We beat the storm. We, we bless the harvest in the name of Jesus. We cannot have another storm in this area in Jesus' name. And Jesus exercised authority over weather. He told a storm to stop, guys. He told it to go on. It was gonna derail their purpose. It was gonna derail their plan. He had somewhere to get to. If you go into Mark chapter five, there was a demon-possessed man on the other side that he had to get to. You got somewhere to be. You got somewhere to go. We can't have storms stopping us. No storm can stop us in the plan of God. So he exercised authority over weather. Mark chapter eight, verses one through 10. Mark chapter eight, verses one through 10. Kind of in the same category, but we see God, uh, Jesus here, he multiplies fish and bread. So Jesus exercises authority over nature. Jesus exercises authority over nature. Sounds a lot like Genesis 1, doesn't it, guys? Have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air. You know, Jesus commanded a fish to bring a coin to him one time. How do you think that happened? You go try that. No, Jesus exercised authority over nature according to the word. Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11. Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11. We see Jesus exercise authority over Satan himself. Satan comes to tempt him. He tempts him three times, and then finally Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. Tells him where to go. Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11, he exercises authority over Satan. 
Last one, Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 34. Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 34. And guys, these are just one scenarios. There's multiple occasions where Jesus operated in, the, in exercising this authority. Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 34. He exercises authority over demons. Demons, cast them out, tells them where to go. In this case, he actually tells them to go into a herd of pigs. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 8. I want you to see this one in verse 5. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion, not even a Jew. Roman centurions weren't waiting for Jesus. Roman centurions weren't expecting the Messiah, weren't expecting the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Jews were. And then when he showed up, it didn't even look like what they thought he would look like, and so they missed it. But the Gentiles, a Roman centurion, doesn't even believe anything about God, doesn't care about the Bible, doesn't care about the word, doesn't care about the law, isn't waiting for Jesus, isn't in the temple worshiping God, isn't giving sacrifices, doing, this is a Roman centurion. Came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, uh, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, watch this, I will come and heal him. I, I will come and heal him. Didn't he do that multiple times? Lay hands on people and then people would bring uh, their sick to Jesus and he would pray for them. We, 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 we saw that take place multiple times. But look what the centurion's response is. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. We just took our faith to a whole nother level here. We just, we jumped right past, come with me, come to my house, you gotta lay. Remember that was what J. Iris said. My daughter's sick at home, come lay hands on her and I know she will be healed. We know the woman with the issue of blood went pressing into the crowd and touched the hem of, of his garment. You get what you believe. You get on the level of your expectation. She believed he doesn't have to touch me if I touch him, just the hem of his garment, not even him. I will receive my miracle. But now this Roman centurion, he says, just speak the word from here. And my servant there. You don't have to be in the same room, in the same town, in the same continent. We're not even on the same continent as Isaac, but speak the word only. We're not making this stuff up. This is the word of God. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Speak the word only. But now listen to his explanation because this is the key. Speak only a word and my servant will be healed. Now watch what he says. For I also am a man, look at this word, under authority. Now, for the longest time, I missed this. I skipped right over it. If I'm, if I'm going to commend or highlight something about someone, and I'm going to say, if you will just speak a word only, my servant will be healed. My next statement would say, for I also am a man in authority. But he takes it a step further. He doesn't just highlight the fact that Jesus is in authority. He says, you are also like me. See, this is why the centurion grabbed it and the Jews missed it. The centurion saw something. A Roman centurion that understood submission to authority. That understood chain of command. That understood if I give a word, it will be responded to. But here's what the centurion highlighted. I also am a man under authority. Having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
This is what the Roman centurion is highlighting. He recognizes in Jesus, not that he's just in authority, that he's submitted under. The only reason your authority works is because you're submitted to someone over you. You seeing this? Are you catching this? Because the, my level of authority will never exceed my level of submission. This Roman centurion caught on to it. And look what Jesus says in response. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. You want Jesus to marvel? He didn't marvel at everybody. Jesus marveled. And he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. And look at where he says that he doesn't find the faith. Not even in Israel, my people, my nation, the ones that have been waiting for me, expecting me. This guy's from Rome. He's from Italy. That's not my nation. That's not even my people. Israel's my people. But I haven't found faith like this man. I haven't found someone that believes in me because of my authority. And this guy caught on to something he saw because I'm under authority. I'm in authority. If you don't remain under authority, you will be removed from authority. If we don't remain under authority, we will be removed from authority. Jesus says in Mark chapter 11, he says uh, that when you pray, make sure that you don't have any offenses or ought against another brother. Why is that so important? Because if I don't have love reigning in my heart, how can I expect I'm gonna get anything from the Lord? The Bible tells us that let not a double-minded man think that he's gonna get anything from the Lord. He's unstable in all his ways. Guys, there are prerequisites. There are qualifiers. God hasn't made it difficult. But if I'm not submitted to his word in my life, then how can I expect to speak it over something and it's gonna respond if I'm not responding to it? Jesus says he hasn't seen faith like this because this centurion highlights something. In the Amplified, it reads this way, but the centurion replied to him, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man subject to authority of a higher rank, it says, with soldiers subject to me. It's chain of command. I do what he says, therefore they do what I say. I submit to the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and therefore I can exercise and execute my authority as God gave to me, as God designed me to live and operate with, and it will take place. It will take place. I saw this quote just a few weeks ago and thought it just went so well. It says, many people want to enjoy the benefits of the kingdom of God, but they themselves want to be king. Many people want to enjoy the benefits of the kingdom of God, but they themselves remain king. We cannot enjoy the benefits of the kingdom of God if we're not submitted to the king of kings and to the Lord of lords. We want our words to have power. We want to be able to speak as the word of God declares. We want to be able to operate and enjoy the benefits that God has given us. And there are benefits and there are privileges. You're a son of the king. You're a daughter of the king. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. You have, you have rights and privileges that are uh, yours as just being a citizen of the kingdom of God, just as you have rights and privileges being a citizen of America. You know, you have rights and privileges in this country that aliens or immigrants don't automatically have. That they have to go through a process. You were born here. So being born of the kingdom of God and in the kingdom of God, there's rights and privileges. Well, guess what? You know that there are people in this country, in this nation, in America, that don't get to operate in those rights and privileges and benefits because they operate illegally in this territory. And now they're in a realm in the United States, in a realm called jail or prison, where rights and privileges are taken away. Why? You don't submit to this authority, you don't get to exercise rights and privileges and benefits. 
okay? Let me just give you a few more verses here. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Verse 18, Jesus says this. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority, how much authority? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is how uh, this passage uh, reads. Or nope, that's a different passage. We'll look at that in just a minute. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. We all know this is the Great Commission, Matthew 28 and Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 15 says this, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Boy, that's a word that we can't tolerate today, can we? But Jesus said it himself. And these signs, now you gotta catch this, these signs will follow the fivefold ministry. These signs will follow pastors. These signs will follow those who pray hard enough. These signs will follow those who what? Believe in my name, because that's where the authority comes from. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Now, sure, literally, could that possibly happen? Yes, but he's talking more about the powers and the principalities of the air. He's talking about the, the, the forces of evil, spiritual forces of evil. And he's saying that you will have control and dominion over even those things. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. What was the prerequisite? What was the qualifier? Believe. This is why we call it the authority of the believer, not the authority of the pastor. Guys, let me tell you, I'll pray with you. I'll agree with you. I'll do all that. But I've had people say, Pastor, can you please pray for my crops? Pastor, can you pray for my house? Pastor, can you pray for my husband? Pastor, can you pray? And yes, I'll pray. But here's the greatest thing. I can get in agreement with your prayer. My prayer is not a substitute for your prayer. Because ultimately, and we'll get into this, I believe uh, this is where we're going to go next week. Pastor Caleb will be teaching. And we're going to talk about dominion and domain. Dominion and domain. Because everybody here has a territory that you exercise your authority over. That's not my territory. I went out with Van uh, 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 yesterday morning and a bunch of farmers and prayed over our crops, blessed the harvest, prayed over this harvest that's getting ready to come in, that they're getting ready to yield. But you know whose domain it is? Theirs. I'm coming into agreement, yes. Let me tell you, I don't have any more prayer, any more power behind my prayer as a pastor than you do. In fact, the greatest one that has the greatest authority over your territory is you, is you. My prayers aren't any more powerful than yours. Prayer is, is, is as powerful as the revelation of it that you have. Believing is the qualifier. It's the authority of the believer. Matthew chapter 16, last verse, Matthew 16. Are y'all getting something tonight? When we sing songs like, I will call upon the Lord. When we say things, Jesus' name will break every stronghold. Guys, that's real stuff. That's real life stuff. And just so you know, as your pastor, I scream the songs that are, are sung on this stage. Absolutely. I don't care if it's K-Love. It's not on this stage if it ain't. Word of God. <laughs> I don't care who sings it. I don't care who wrote it. We, I mean, we got kids with guitars in closets just trying to come up with a new hymn that's gonna break some records and sell some records. 
break records and sell records all at the same time. But David wasn't out there trying to get in the top 100. David was out in the field getting acquainted with his God, getting acquainted with his Lord. And when he stood before a giant named Goliath, he knew who he was. He knew who his God was. He knew that he could charge that man and take him out. Worship is powerful. You receive two messages every time you come to this church, through worship and through the word. This should be one and the same. Shouldn't be any different. We're not going to sing stuff that does not align and agree with the word of God. I'm just not. I don't care how popular it is. I don't care how good it sounds. I'll change the words if I have to. The word is more important. Matthew chapter 16. We've seen this so many times. I just want to jump on down to verse 18. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus is speaking to Peter. Peter is just revealed by the Holy Spirit, by the Father, that uh, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responds in verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's against you and I. Notice we're not on the defense. The devil's on the defense. Prevail means to hold against, to stand against. So we're on the attack. We're on the offense. And the devil's trying to hold us back. And it says the gates of hell will not prevail against what? The church, you and I. Talking about us. The church. Now look what he says. Verse 19. This is, by the way, this is the first time Jesus mentions church. The first time he mentions the church. Up until this point, he hasn't said a word about any church. He hasn't said a word about this church, his people. The very first time he mentions it, this is what he, this is what he assigns to it. Verse 19, and I will give you, the church, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys of the kingdom of heaven. We covered it. Jesus was obsessed with the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's not written wrong. I didn't read it wrong. It's in your Bible. It's up there on that screen. Just the way Jesus said it and he knew what he was saying. He didn't say that we would bind what heaven binds. And we would loose what heaven looses. He said, heaven will bind what we bind, and heaven will loose what we loose. Who's got to do it first? We do. The church, you and I, are to operate in our kingdom authority. Guys, I put it this way nothing should happen in the earth today without the church's permission. Nothing should happen in the earth today without the church's permission. We know when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when they fell, they handed over the authority. Because authority can't be taken, it can't be stolen, it has to be given. And now the enemy, the, the, the devil... The Bible calls him the ruler of this world. John chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Revelations chapter 12. He's called the God or the ruler of this age. He's in charge. And everything we see in this earth today as a result of him being in charge versus us being in charge. But you and I now are to operate on this planet now in the authority God has given us now exercising dominion and authority that he gave to us, just like Genesis chapter one. He's not waiting for Jesus to come back. We're not waiting for the, the kingdom of God. There will be a full consummation of the kingdom of heaven. There will be in totality. We're not gonna see it like it was in Genesis chapter one until Jesus returns. But you and I can reverse everything. See, the enemy can't create anything. So what he's done is he has twisted and perverted 
what God created. And everything he does is he has tried to reverse what God did. But you and I are here to put it back in its order. We call order to chaos. We call health to sickness. We, we call order to our minds. We have authority, but we have to remain submitted to be able to exercise our authority. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.